Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. The Bible is our authority and every message delivered proclaims the truth in a way that is relevant and practical for daily life. At Vail Christian, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. All right, well, good morning again, everybody. I get to do like three things on stage this morning. It's pretty fun. Uh, anyways, it's so good to be with you guys. I was joking with Nick. I'm like, you know, the way they're gonna, you're going to phase me out here is I just move further and further back. <laughs> and it's funny because I started out like the first, you know, I've been doing uh, worship stuff for like 20 years, churches, and I started out playing the piano, if you believe it or not, actually like suit and tie, led, had the choir and all that stuff. I'm like, I'm just going back, going back to that, which is good. I like it. So anyways, random thoughts for me this morning. There you go. It's good to be with you guys today, though. I get to uh, bring the Word of God this morning, and so we're continuing in this series in uh, the Gospel of John, which has been really wonderful. I love the Gospel of John. Um, it's always been my favorite Gospel, you know, if you have a favorite, uh, just because it is just jam-packed full of stuff, you know, about Jesus being the Son of God, and that is the whole uh, mission that John is on. To, he wants us to know, and he wants to reveal that he is, Jesus is the son of God. And so last week, uh, Pastor Ben really drove home this relationship between the father and the son and how there is this perfect synchronization between the two, how nothing happens without the express knowledge of the other. It's the central idea here. It's his purpose in writing that all would know that Jesus is the son of God and that they would believe. That all would know he's the son of God. And they would put their trust in him. And so, as a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't just say that he is the son of God. And perhaps that's, uh, at this point in the gospel, if we think about the timeline and how, what Jesus has revealed so far, perhaps the Jewish leaders, they certainly don't understand it. Maybe the people aren't quite sure what this means. And so, Jesus spends a lot of time talking about this relationship. It's an incredible statement in and of itself just to say that he is the son of God. But what Jesus is really saying, what he's going to continue to speak about in very specific terms is that the relationship between himself and the Father um, is one where he is fully aware and they are fully reliant on each other. Nothing happens without the express will of the other. And that Jesus is, in fact, fully God. So today we're looking at chapter 5, verse 25 through 29. So take those Bibles out, turn there now. We're going to keep looking back at some of these verses and how they relate to each other and how John teaches us about the authority and the power that is vested in Jesus. So I want to read this. John 5, 25 through 29 says this. I tell you the solemn truth. A time is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, thus he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has granted the Son authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this because a time is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come out. The ones who have done what is good to the resurrection resulting in life and the one who the ones who have done what is evil to the resurrection resulting in condemnation. So again, we have this 
passage where Jesus is revealing something else about his plan. This is a new concept that's been introduced. And so there will be a day when all of the dead will rise. Think about it with me for a moment. Just walk through it. There's going to come a point in time, there's an ordained moment in history when all the bodies of everyone who has ever lived will come back to life. All of the decaying, rotting corpses that are buried in the ground or have been incinerated into ashes or however people have died, regardless of their state, maybe uh, regardless of how they've material decomposed or become part of some other body throughout the course of history, and those atoms have uh, broken down. I'm not saying that to gross you out. I want you to think through this because it sounds like the zombie apocalypse, doesn't it? <laughs> but it is actually the miracle beyond all miracles. God will do this. Jesus will do this by the power of his word. And everybody who's ever lived will come back to life and be resurrected. Hitler... Napoleon, Caesar, the queen. It's not too early for that, right? They're all going to come back, and they're going to come back for the purpose of final judgment. You and I will witness it. We will be there. This is an event that will either bring such, well, it'll bring amazement to everybody, Hopefully, it's a joyous day for you. For some, it will be a day of dread and terror. You can't get away from it. So if you've done good, and what good, uh, what the writer means by good is you believe in the Son of God, you believe what Jesus has said, then you're going to come back to that, and you will enter into this resurrection resulting in life. If you've done evil, you will go to the resurrection resulting in condemnation. Nobody gets to opt out. Nobody can call in sick. You're already dead. You're resurrected and judged with all the other people throughout history. And so Jesus tells the people listening, this is the Jewish leaders, and there's probably a lot of bystanders at this time. He's been doing some miracles. Uh, People are beginning to really be interested in what he says. And he tells them that they should not be surprised or amazed by this. I don't know about you. I would be absolutely, I will be absolutely amazed. What Jesus means here isn't, you know, well, don't, don't have any awe or wonder about this event. But what he means is you shouldn't be surprised that this judgment is coming because I'm telling you right now what's happening. And one of two things is true. Either you're going to believe what I say and you won't be surprised. You'll be ready for that day or you're not going to believe what I say and it will be a great surprise to you when that day comes. But he is giving them a warning. Jesus is revealing the resurrection I think it's often lost on us how bold a claim Jesus is making at this point in his ministry. We, we look back on the resurrection as this historical event, the foundation, the cornerstone of our faith. This is not something they have a category for yet. This is a new concept for them. The apostle John already revealed a lot about Jesus and his mission. We've read about the miraculous signs that he performs. He turned the water into wine. Um, Just a little bit ago in in chapter four, we read about uh, how he healed the son of this royal official. And we're gonna look at that in a little bit too and how we can tie 
uh, that into what we're reading here. And there's been a number of these discourses that underscore the purpose of Jesus' ministry and the relationship that Jesus has to the Father. But now, Jesus is going to reveal to us more about who he is, what he's been sent to do, and what his ultimate destination and plan will be. And so I believe that this passage reveals at least three things about Jesus. At least. There are lots of things we can pull out of it, but I just want to focus on three observations we can make, specifically about the power of Jesus. And that's what I want to focus on this morning because Jesus has power. Jesus has power. Not just a measure of power, but he has the full power that has been granted to him from the Father. I want to be careful here. It's been errantly stated by many throughout history. It is a a hard thing to grasp that Jesus' power is dependent or that it's in a lesser degree to the Father, but nothing could be further from the truth. And Jesus makes it clear uh, in verse 19 before this passage. We looked at it last week and he says, whatever the Father does, his Son does Likewise, And we can look at many, many scriptures that explicitly state this to be true. And so what Jesus means is that these two entities of the Trinity, and we could talk about the Holy Spirit too, but uh, that's not the focus in this passage. It's about the Father of the Son. These two entities are in perfect unison. There's a symbiosis with one another, a mutually beneficial relationship. No one acts without the other knowing, and yet they remain two distinctively different persons. And Jesus is so careful and clear about who he is. That's really hard to understand, isn't it? I mean, I've studied and done all kinds of stuff, and sometimes I still don't get it. It's amazing. There's no no relationship that's like that one. But Jesus has power. He has the full power of God within himself. And so the first truth that we can pull out of this about Jesus that we can grasp from this passage is that Jesus has power over the dead. Jesus has power over the dead. By his word and his word alone, Jesus can bring back from the dead both spiritually and physically. Jesus has power over the dead. Look at what it says in Verse 25, it says, I tell you the solemn truth. The time is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. What does Jesus mean when he says this? Well, as Pastor Ben discussed last week, the words and the teachings of Jesus are so carefully chosen in accordance with the will of the Father's timing to reveal the purpose and mission of Jesus. And so... Jesus' words are pregnant with meaning, full of meaning. And some of that meaning isn't going to be understood for quite some time. Well, we know that death is still a universal experience. All of us are going to experience death at some point. I hate to break it to you. I hope it doesn't bum you out this morning, but all of us are closer to death right now than we've ever been. Okay? That's just (laughs) the truth of it. Thank you for laughing, Monica. All right, let's get the others in there too. Right? It's the truth. We're all going to experience death. So what does Jesus mean? He can't mean that, you know, we're not going to experience death anymore. We have to die to be resurrected. So what does he mean? Well, I believe that the now here is a spiritual resurrection. 
That's the now here. Remember, Jesus is already going around Galilee and Cana, and he's done some miracles, and he's calling people to repentance. And we're seeing this regeneration that's happening from people who choose to follow him and believe that, and put their trust in him, believe who he says he is. Remember the, the discourse about the woman at the well, right? A time is coming and is now here when you will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So I believe that that now here is a spiritual resurrection, the regeneration experienced by those who hear the merciful voice of God and they respond to it. And we see that all over uh, the Gospels. And it's made evident by this contrite and repentant heart and by walking in obedience to what the Son says. It's a spiritual resurrection from spiritual death. We were all born spiritually dead. The Bible is very clear about that. We're all born spiritually dead. Jesus begins to raise people back from the dead spiritually during this time, continues to do it. I think this is very intentional by John. Uh, We read about the light that is coming or that comes through believing. Jesus also speaks of the time that is coming. This is that physical resurrection in which all people through all history will be physically resurrected from the dead to give account for their deeds, to be judged. Your physical body will awaken, not a spiritual body. This is really important. But just as Christ's body was resurrected and he's still in that body, you will be in your body, your resurrected body. The power of Jesus is made known through the resurrection because Jesus is the God of the living and the God of the dead, which also reveals to us that he can be in both places, He can act willfully in both the spiritual and the physical as it pleases him according to his will. He is God of the living and the dead. Many of you will be familiar with this passage. It won't come up on the screen, but it's Romans 8.38. I love this passage, um, and I think it reveals to us more than just being encouraging. It it, it, kind of ties this in and tells us that even early on, the apostles in the church had an understanding that Jesus was God. And he wasn't like the other gods of the time. He was much different. And so this is what Romans 8, 35 through 39 says. I'm going to read it. It says, will, or who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore? As it is written, for your sake we encounter death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we have complete victory through him who loved us. And now listen to what he says and what it reveals to us about Jesus. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is convinced. He has this hope. There's nothing, right? There's no spiritual realm that can separate us because he is God of all those things. He's God of the physical. He's God of the past. He's God of the present. He's God of the future. He's over it all. Not even death can separate us from Christ and his love because he's God of the living and the dead. And he has defeated Death through his death and resurrection for us. 
It's good news for those of us who call him Lord and Savior. It's great news. We get to live again. We get resurrected bodies. It's terrible news for those who will not bow their knee to him. It's dreadful to them because they're going to face judgment and give an account for their deeds. And so Jesus has power over the dead, and the dead will rise by the power of his word. Resurrection comes by the power of his word. Comes by the power of his word. There's a story in the previous chapter I said we would look at for a minute, and it's about this boy who was near death, and Jesus heals him. It's John 4, 46. I want to read it to you. It says this, Now he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he made the water wine. That's really important that, that John points that out. He's back where he started. In Capernaum, where there was a certain royal official whose son was sick. And when he heard that Jesus had come back from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and begged him to come down and heal his son who was about to die. And Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Sir, the official said to him, come down before my child dies. And Jesus told him, go home, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he set off for home. And while he was on his way down, his slaves met him and told him that his son was going to live. And so he asked them the time when his condition began to improve. And they told him, yesterday at one o'clock in the afternoon, the fever left him. And then the father realized that it was at the very time Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed along with his entire household. And Jesus did this as his second miraculous sign when he returned from Judea to Galilee. I think this is really interesting because, first of all, I read Jesus' words as he gets a little frustrated, as he oftentimes does with the unbelief of people. And so he says, I, you people need a sign, I'll give you a sign. But notice how this man, first he believes that Jesus will heal his son, and once he heals his son, he believes, what? That he is the son of God. He is who he says he is. Right? And so his son, who's not quite dead, you could say experiences a physical resurrection in a sense. But the man in his household believe and experience that now resurrection spiritually. And it's a powerful story. Uh, notice also, Jesus isn't present with the boy. He didn't have to lay hands on him. He didn't have to anoint him. He didn't have to emanate some force that was around him. He simply had to speak and the boy was healed. He wasn't dead yet, but he would have died. There is power in the word of Jesus. Ultimate power. He is the omnipotent word, but not all can hear his voice. Not all hear the voice of Jesus. The Bible's really clear about this. Those who hear his voice will live. This is a stark reality. There's some who remain spiritually dead. They're not raised to new spiritual life. Uh, this is one of the reasons that Jesus spoke in, in parables. He's very open about this so that his message would be made evident to those who have ears to hear and would be hidden from those who did not. The teachers, the Pharisees, there will come a day, however, when all will hear the voice of Jesus and will rise from the dead. The time to hear the voice 
of mercy, the voice that calls us to repentance, the voice that calls us to believe in the Son of God, will come to an end. It's not the same word that brings the dead back to life during this time. It is both now here and it is coming. And so the next observation that we can make about Jesus looking at this passage is that Jesus has the power of life within himself. What a statement. Jesus has the power of life within himself. Verse 26, For just as the Father has life within himself, thus he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Jesus is self-existent. Not created. He doesn't have a cause. He doesn't have a beginning. He has just always been. And everything else that has been has come into existence through him. And he has been with the Father and with the Holy Spirit in this perfect, loving relationship forever. No beginning, no cause. John opens up his gospel with this. John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the word... And the word was with God, and the word was fully God. The word was with God in the beginning, and all things were created by him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. And that word comes into the darkness, the light comes into the darkness, and it is Jesus. Can you think of anything else that doesn't have a beginning? You can't. Right? It's an old philosophical argument. That which has a beginning has a cause. Jesus doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have a cause. Nothing put him into existence. He simply always has been. The technical word for that is that he has a aseity. That's what we say. Now, this is in stark contrast between the... Uh, again, we have the benefit of kind of understanding this and having theologians throughout uh, two millennia help us comprehend these things and even then we don't quite get it they didn't have that and so think about what a statement that is especially in the contrast between um all the other things that were going on not so much in judea right they have the you know we have the israelites we have the jews right there and they have this concept of yahweh who has always been but think about as the gospel spreads into rome and into Greece and all those areas. And they have these pantheons of gods and these stories about who begat who and how all this stuff happened. And then all of a sudden you come in and say, hey, Jesus always has been. He simply is, I am. He is self-existent. That's a different category. And so he did not cause the Father. The Father did not cause him. And it is his word that holds all things together. Every atom, every subatomic particle, even the ones that are yet to be discovered, everything does what it does at his express command and will cease to do what it does when he gives the command. And so he will command your material body to come back into existence by the power of his word. Our very existence and creation itself is upheld by the word of Christ. It says in Acts 17, 28, For in him we live and move about and exist. Um, I, I love uh, theoretical physics. I like to pretend like I know what I'm talking about, and I really don't. You know, I'll even like... My wife's got me some books and stuff. Oh, this looks like you'd be interested in it. And I'm reading about string theory and all this 
particle wave theory stuff. I don't really know what I'm talking about or what I'm reading, but it's super cool because I love just thinking about how God is in the details, right? You know, it's like those little Russian nesting dolls and they keep going down. They're like, this is it. We're going to find the particle. We're going to, and then they find that thing and there's a whole other world underneath. And it's like, man, you're just going to keep finding stuff. Um, and so I was at this party once, um, it was a New Year's Eve party at another church, and I always feel an obligation to find people who are not connected, and I want to get them connected. And sometimes I'm awkward about the way I do it. And what I'll try to do is find something that I have in common with them. Oh, you're into this? Oh, I like that, even if I'm not or I don't know what I'm talking about. If I can get the conversation going and hand it off, then I got this person connected, right? Sometimes I've been told it comes across as arrogant, but <laughs> I'm at this party. I had just watched that movie, Interstellar. Has anybody seen that? Either you don't care about the movie or it's your favorite movie. I love the movie. It's so fascinating. Uh, and the soundtrack's even better. But movie's great. I'm talking about it. I'm, I'm talking to this, this guy. He's new. And I'm like, have you seen that movie? There's black holes. And oh, my goodness. If you're talking about the event horizon. And I'm going on all this stuff, acting like I know what I'm talking about. And the Holy Spirit says to me, Kevin, quit talking. Ask this man what his name is and what he does. And I'm like, take a moment all right and so I do that uh guy's name's Ryan he's actually still a, a friend and I'm like oh Ryan what do you do and he goes oh I'm a theoretical physicist <laughs> <laughs> and I've just been doing this whole did you know that blah 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 you know and uh and I'm like oh really and then to 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 drag you know to, to dig the hole even deeper I'm like now did you like study that in school because, I mean, how else do you get into theoretical physics, right? And he goes, yeah, I have a PhD from MIT. Okay, let's talk about music. So, <laughs> anyways, I love that stuff because everything is so intricate and everything is connected, right? Everything is connected in the way that gravity works and light works and all of these things, they're connected and nobody understands how it's all connected, Right? They're looking for that grand theory that ties everything together, that one thing that will describe it all. And I'm saying that thing is Christ, right? He is the thing that holds it all together by the power of his word because Jesus has power. And so as the gospel of John unfolds even more, we're gonna see how Jesus continues to show signs and wonders. Uh, in chapter 11, skip ahead, but what does he do? He raises Lazarus from the dead, right? Not just like he's, not like the boy who was going to die. It's that Lazarus is like stinky, rotten, dead. And it, it says that. Like his body's decomposing. And by the power of Jesus' word, he calls him back from the dead. And that's where we get that great I am statement. It's one of the seven that are in John where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he ties it back in and reveals more about what he's there to do. And of course, all this is going to culminate with Jesus' own prediction of his death and resurrection and the event that leads to that. And finally, he will, by the power of his word, raise himself back to life. And that's the very central doctrine of our faith. It's the cornerstone of everything. It's the key event in history that defines who we are. And so finally, we read in this passage, we read in this passage, Jesus will execute judgment after the resurrection. Jesus has the power and authority to judge. That's our third observation. Jesus has the power and authority to judge. 
just a bit earlier in verse 22, Jesus says this. The father does not judge anyone, but has assigned all judgment to the son. And then in verse 27, he says, he has granted the son authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Jesus uses his title for himself quite often. And each time he does, it's quite purposeful. And it would have had a lot of meaning, especially for the teachers who knew their scriptures and knew the prophets very well. And this is a a term, son of man, that comes out of the book of Daniel, from the prophet Daniel in in chapter 7. The verse will come up here. I'm not going to read it. But it says, one like the son of man. And it's tied to this idea. This is why he uses it. It's because he was given authority, honor, and sovereignty. All of these things. And then it says for all of eternity. He is the sovereign of the universe for all eternity. All authority has been given to Christ. He is the son of God. He is the son of man in this context relating to Daniel. He is the one that Daniel Uh, foretold and prophesied about. There is no king or queen that even comes close to his matchless position. And his judgment is final. His judgment's final. He gets the last word. No court of appeals, no pardons that are granted by a higher authority. It is his word and his word alone that will determine your fate and my fate. And the fate of everybody who has ever lived through all of history and the ones who have lived and the angels and all those in the spiritual world that we don't even know about. You guys ever read, so side tangent, you ever read through Revelation and you realize there's all these creatures that are kind of frightening? Like they got eyes all over them and stuff, right? Who are they? I don't have any idea. We're going to find out. But Christ is the judge. He's the judge. He gets the final word. And his judgment is just. His judgment is just. And it's just because he is justice. And just like it says in Psalm 89, justice flows from his throne. It is the foundation of his throne. You and I have a concept of justice because we are made in the image of God. It comes from him. You don't get to turn around and look at God, by the way, and say you're being unjust. He defines what justice is. And he is just. And he will judge the sinful acts of men and angels. And he will punish wickedness and reward righteousness. And it's why we can have peace about horrible acts and atrocities that have occurred throughout history or perhaps throughout our own lives. We just talked about September 11th. It was a horrible, horrible day, right? Those of us who lived through it, my daughter just said, hey, can I interview you? I got a project at school to interview somebody who was alive during September 11th. That's for, you know. But I was, I remember it. Everybody remembers where they were. And this past summer, um, my wife and my son, we went back to Washington, D.C. We've been doing these when you turn 13, we take you somewhere, whatever the cheapest place I can find with my credit card points is. You're not supposed to have credit cards, but <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Dave Ramsey. Uh, anyways, <laughs> but I got some points on the credit cards. So we, we used those and we went to Washington, D.C. And one of the things I wanted to see, and we were just there for three days, you know, is I wanted to go to the Pentagon and I got to go to that memorial there. 
and they have the benches, and it's just so moving to be there because I've never been in one of those places up until now. And we, we sat there for quite a while and, and read the, the messages on the benches and just thought about what it must have been like and the families and the people that are still uh, grieving and going through that process even today that have lost so much. I've never had to live personally through anything like that. But also thinking about this idea that God is just. He's sovereign. He is sovereign. He will judge the acts, the sinful acts of man. He will raise us from the dead. He will raise those men who did those horrible acts from the dead. And he will judge them according to what they've done. And every wicked deed will be brought into the light. And there will be ultimate justice. So what does it have to do with me? Well, there's two things that I hope you think about today as you leave. First, you will be resurrected from the dead by the power of Christ. You don't get to opt out of it. You don't get a choice. You will be brought back. Your deeds will be brought into the light. And you will have to give an account for that. You do have an option to hear the voice of God and to respond to that. That merciful call to repentance and to believe. You don't get a choice about being resurrected and judged. That will happen. That's why Jesus says, don't be surprised by it. It's coming. I told you about it. I'm going to continue to tell you about it as the gospel unfolds. Second, you will be judged by Christ. He'll bring those account of all your deeds and he will judge according to them. And justice demands that wickedness be punished. The good that Jesus refers to is not the good that outweighs the bad. It's not this, if you do more good, oh, he was a good person. This is the good of believing that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is fully God. It's believing in him, believing his testimony about himself. And it is Christ's righteousness that is imputed to us, that covers us and covers every blemish and stain of our wicked acts. Right? It's not that we're innocent. We're guilty. Christ gave himself. No one is without sin. And so, on the one hand, this resurrection, I think it should, it should bring some discomfort to us to think about this day and should, help, and should cause us to reflect on the state of our own soul and what we believe because that's what it's designed to do. Right? But at the same time, we have hope in Christ and what he's done because he was raised from the dead. He died for our sins. And so on that day of judgment, it can be a day of rejoicing as we go into everlasting life and not a day of dread and terror. And so I hope you'll take a moment and think about the state of your soul and where you're at and which path are you on? How will Jesus judge you on that day? Ready yourself for the resurrection, for that second coming of Christ. There's so much more that Jesus reveals about himself as his gospel unfolds. And it all points to him and to his majesty and to his mission. Jesus has power, ultimate power. Will you put your full trust in his power alone to justify you and to save you, to cover over your sins this morning and be ready for that day.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word. (laughs) And for Jesus, your son, who is the word, who was there in the beginning, who is fully God, who sits with you and has throughout all time and beyond because he is God. Help us to look inside of ourselves. And as it says, Lord, in the Bible, help our unbelief, those areas. Help us to trust in the words that Jesus says and not be surprised, but be ready for that day. Yes, we will stand in awe and in wonder at the miracles that you do, that everybody's gonna come back to life. But God, to know where we stand and to say, I was ready for this. I was ready for that day. And now I can enter into eternal life with God. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your son, that uh, what he did on the cross and his death and resurrection uh, is given to us who call him Lord and Savior, who believe in the name of Jesus. God, we are saved because of what he's done. Go with us now, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information, or would like to view the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com and follow us on social media.